Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Nick Schatz. I'm one of the pastors here. Good morning to our online audience as well. Uh, we are spending the summer here at Hershey Free Church teaching through the book of Proverbs. It's a, it's a book in our Bible that is filled with these quick sayings about how to live wisely in this world. Th- those quick sayings are called Proverbs. That's why the book is called Proverbs. It comes after that name. And today the topic is on money. Today we're going to talk about money. Several verses in Proverbs that talk about money. Hey, as we get started, I thought I might start off with a story. So I heard recently about a lady who fell into some kind of trance. And as she was in this trance, she had a dream, or she had some kind of vision in which she was able to speak to God and talk to God. And naturally, she had all kinds of questions. Don't you have all kinds of questions you would love to ask God? And so all these questions were coming to mind, and and she she thought, well, you know, I'd like to ask him a question about time. So she said, hey, hey, God, what is a billion years like for you? And God said, my child, a billion years for me It's like one second to you. Wow, that's incredible. She said, hey, I I have another question for you. She wanted to have a question about money. She said, God, how much is one billion dollars to you? And God said, oh, my child, a billion dollars for me is like one dollar for you. She thought, wow, that that is amazing. Of course, God is answering her question, so she gets a little more confidence. She decides that she wants to ask God for something. She says, God... Would you be willing to give me one dollar? And God replies with, sure, just give me a second. You'll get there. There it is. There it is. All right, good. So today we're talking about money. Today we're talking about money. Money is a powerful motivator. You know, I'm tempted tempted to assume that money is just this neutral thing in, in my life, that it's just simple exchange of goods. It's, it's, uh, it's this little green piece of paper that doesn't have any weight. Good kindling, right? It has pictures of presidents on it. It's a piece of plastic in my wallet. It's, it's a button on my PayPal account. I don't use Venmo. I use PayPal, but maybe you have Venmo or something like that. It's, you know, it's a simple exchange of goods. But I think deep down, all of us realize that money is more than just this neutral thing in our life. It's more than this exchange of goods. Money is actually this powerful motivator that motivates all of us to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. The Bible actually describes money as this power or this force that can take root in our life. Here's a few different things the Bible says about money. Jesus said that tracking where you spend your money is actually a good indicator of what you care about. It's it's a good indicator of where your heart is, right? He said wherever your treasure is, or in other words, wherever your money is, that is what you care about. That's where your heart is also. Jesus also says that each of us has to make a choice in this life. We either choose to serve money or we choose to serve God. Those were the two examples that he gave, either money or God. You can't serve both because, you know, if if one rules you, then it's going to compete with the other one. You have to choose. Are you going to worship money or are you going to worship God? Which almost gives the impression that money can be like a master to us. It can be like this this authority that, that bosses us around in some way. I just think that's an interesting thing to think about. Paul the Apostle said that the love of money is a root that can blossom into all kinds of evil. (laughs) Maybe you've seen that fruit pop up in different people's lives, right? There's a few different Bible writers that declare that money can become an idol. An idol is something that we worship in place of God. It it has this power, this authority, this, this motivation over us that is hard to explain. I can't explain it scientifically, right? But it, it impacts me. It motivates me in a very powerful way. Money is a powerful motivator. Money can make me feel and think and do things that if money was out of the equation, I would never feel or think or do those things. It's a powerful motivator. 
And with that said, I want to point us to a proverb. We're going to read through, uh, again, there's tons of proverbs that deal with money in some way. We'll read through some of them. The main one I want to focus on, so if you have a Bible that you're opening up or an app, or maybe you just want to follow along with the sermon notes that are online, it, we're going to focus on Proverbs 30, verses 8 through 9. Okay, so I'll keep coming back to that. Proverbs 30, 8 through 9, it's on the screen. Let's read this together. The Bible says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but only give me my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my Lord. You see, when it comes to money, Proverbs describes four kinds of people out there. Here's a simple graph that shows you. It doesn't really address people in the middle. It addresses people that are either on the top or the bottom. You're either rich or you're poor when it comes to the different Proverbs that address money. Okay? Some of the Proverbs tell us how to avoid poverty. Some of the Proverbs tell us how we can accumulate wealth over the course of our life. The Proverbs gives us all kinds of wise advice about how to save money, how to work diligently, how to uh, invest your money, how to get out of debt, right? How many of you have accepted Dave Ramsey into your heart, right? Okay, so maybe, maybe you're familiar with some of these verses. Uh, so, so Proverbs describes the rich and the poor, but much more important, much more important than being either on the top or the bottom of this grid is whether or not you are on the right side or the left side of this grid. Proverbs says that is far more important. Are you godly or greedy with the wealth that you have? Proverbs 28, 6. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity, who maintains his godliness, than a rich man who is crooked in all his ways. Keeping our integrity is much more important than accumulating wealth. Unfortunately, you and I have seen so many examples of people who accumulate more wealth, and the more wealth they accumulate, the more greedy they become and the less godly they become. So here's my question for today. Is it possible... Right? So, so statistics show that over the course of your life, you will gain more and more income, right? And, and your workplace will, will uh, continue to pace itself. So over the course of our life, is it possible to become richer but also become godlier? I've seen so many examples of the opposite. Is it possible for me to end up in that top left quadrant? Is it possible for me to be godly and rich at the same time? Because there's so few people that make it into that box. Is it possible for me to get there? Well, here's, here's, here's the one lesson that I have for today, okay? If you forget everything else I say today, this is the one sentence, and I'll say it over and over so you'll, you'll, get, it, but you'll get sick of hearing it by the end. But here's the one sentence that summarizes everything I'm saying today. The only way to become rich and godly is to practice that before you become rich. The only way to become rich and godly is to practice being godly with the money you do have just in case one day you are rich. All right, so that's the lesson for today. Let me show you what I mean in the text here. Again, go back to Proverbs 30, 8 through 9. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. In other words, I want to make sure that I'm on the left side of that quadrant. I want to make sure that I'm one of the good ones, that I'm one of the godly ones. Give me neither riches nor poverty because either lack of money or too much money would lead me towards greed, right? Give me neither poverty nor riches. So here's a man who sees himself in the middle. If you read that text, he's showing us that I'm not rich, I'm not poor. He's, He's not rich or poor. He's somewhere in the middle. He reminds me of somebody. Who does he remind me of? Oh, me. I don't, I've never felt, I have never felt like I was poor or like I was rich. I've never felt truly poor or truly rich. Now, don't get me wrong. Anna and I have been through some hard seasons in our life, different times where we were pretty strapped for money. 
In fact, there was a time where we lived in Dallas, Texas. I was working full-time as a pool cleaner. And I remember many times, I was a pool technician, I would, many times I would pull up to someone's driveway, you know, big old house, big pool in the backyard, and I would pull up at the same time that the lawn guys were there. there there's a bit of a rivalry, just so you know, between the pool guys and the lawn guys. They're always blowing leaves in the pool. They work harder, we work smarter, right? There's, a, there's a bit of a rivalry there, but, but it wasn't uncommon for me to pull up, and we had to fit our trucks together because there was the lawn guys and the pool guy. Maybe the dog groomer guy was there. Maybe the laundry truck was there to pick up their clothes and wash them and bring them back, you know. So, so there was, those were the rich people. Me, I'm not rich. We weren't rich at the time. In fact, we were just trying to survive. We're trying to pay off medical bills. We're trying to pay off school bills. That's why we were there. I was in school at the time and eventually went to school while we were there too. Uh, there, there was a season when we were on food stamps. I mean, we were, things were really tight. Our vehicles were always breaking Okay, anytime inspection time, I would always stretch the inspection time. You know, you got to get it done this month. I always, oh, maybe a cop will be leaning a couple months because I knew something was going to be messed up. I don't know anything about cars. I hope the mechanic tells me the truth. You know, I, we, we, something was always wrong with our vehicles. Our clothes were always getting ratty and stretched out because we're buying secondhand stuff, thrift stuff, all right? So something was always breaking. We weren't poor, but we weren't rich. We definitely weren't rich. I know that to be the truth, this case. On the other hand, Anna and I, my wife and I have, been through times of plenty as well. I'll never forget the day that I got a new job. I got a desk job. A desk job. I wore like a collared shirt. <laughs> it was awesome. Actually, when I did pulls, I had to wear a, anyway, a collared uniform. But, 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 but I got a desk job. And, and, you know, but back when I cleaned pools, like something was always hurting. Like I was always cutting myself or slamming my finger into something. Or I had bruises like all over my body. There was, there was always something hurting. My knees were always aching. My back was always aching. Right, my hands were all calloused, and I didn't want to hold my hands sometimes because they'd be all dried out and callousy and scratchy and stuff. And then I got this desk job, and my hands got all smooth. I could barely grip a tackle box anymore. You know, I was like, like everything, it was cush. It was cush. I got this desk job. I wasn't rich, though. <laughs> I, I, I didn't feel like I was rich. But I do remember, I do remember the day when Ann and I, we got, so I keep pointing to my wife, she's here. I, we, we, we got into the car and the kids were in the back seat and, and we're driving to go somewhere to, to have some family fun. And we, and we passed by a five bucks, uh, Starbucks. And okay, that, that joke didn't work like I thought it was. So, so we passed by uh, Starbucks and, and Anna says, hey, let's grab some coffee. I said, all right. And without thinking, for the first time, without thinking, I pull in, I go through the drive-thru, we order our fruity tutti, whatever coffee. It's like a four and a half dollar coffee, right? You've been to Starbucks, it's like a four and a half dollar coffee. We get to the end, and I will never forget the moment. She says it's like nine bucks. I'll never forget the moment that I handed the plastic off, and she took it from me. It was the first time in like three or four years that I had ever spent any unnecessary money without freaking out. It was the first, it was the first time I had spent unnecessary money in years without busting out a spreadsheet, without calling up my wife, you know, what, what are we not going to pay this month because I want to get a coffee at Starbucks, right? It was the first time that we didn't flip out over spending $9. I'll never forget that moment. But I wasn't rich. I didn't feel rich. Question, why didn't I feel rich? What is rich? I make more money now than I did then. I don't feel rich. Why don't I feel rich? When will, will I ever feel rich? I don't know. I'm probably going to make more money someday, but I, am I going to feel, I'm probably, not, I'm probably never going to feel rich because there's always going to be something that I want to have that I can't afford. And there's always going to be somebody else who has more money than me to compare myself. I, I'm, I'm probably never, I'm always going to be where this guy is in Proverbs 30. I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be poor. I want to be somewhere in the middle. All right, here, here's my point. Here's the point that I'm getting to. 
There are two things that I know about you. Number one, you're not rich either. Rob, you're not rich, are you? <laughs> no. Tim, Greta, you guys rich? You're not rich. <laughs> Tim says he is. Okay, if you need something, Tim's the guy to go to. No, no, no. I, I know I know them. They're, they're, sorry. <laughs> I don't know your finances. My point is, you're not rich. KJ, Kevin, you guys, you, you're not rich. There's the first thing I know about you. You're not rich. That's the other people. That's the guy with the long guy and the poor guy. Right? So it's, it's somebody else is rich. You're not rich. Here's the second thing I know about you. If you ever do become rich, maybe it's a slim chance. If, if Raya ever does become rich, she wants to be one of the good ones. Right? Because most people that we know that become super wealthy, they lose their integrity. They become greedy. But if you become rich, you want to be one of the good ones. You want to be one of the rich ones that's generous, that's, that's honorable, that's, that's just, that, 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 that gives of your money away to those who are in need. You, you want to be one of the good ones. I, two things I know about you. Number one, you're not rich. But if you ever do become rich, you want to be one of the good ones. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Those two things are pretty true of me. I'm not rich. But if I ever do become rich, I want to be one of the good ones. Well, here's the news I have for you today. If you wait until you are rich to become godly with your money, it'll, it, it, it's, it's nearly impossible. We'll get there. It's, it's almost impossible. The only way to become godly and rich is to practice being godly right now before you become rich. That's the only way to do it. That's the only way to do it. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. There's two principles that I want to show you today from the book of Proverbs. Principle number one is this. Money will drive you towards greed. Either too little or too much. So Proverbs 30 shows us that, right? Money will drive you towards greed. It, it will naturally grab a hold of your heart and turn you into a greedy person. Money will do that to you. Money changes us and not in a good way, right? But here's principle number two. Money can be directed towards godliness. It's best done before you become rich. Money can be directed towards godliness. And the only way for you to become godly and rich is to practice being godly with your money before you become rich. Okay? So that's where we're going today. So let's, put, let's unpack principle number one a little bit more. Money will drive you towards greed. Let's go back to our main text here, Proverbs 30, verses 8 through 9. <clears throat> Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you. Other, or I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of the Lord. In other words, the writer says, I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be poor because I know what money will do to my heart if I have too little or too much. I want to be somewhere right in the middle. Now, here's a couple things, by the way, that I've noticed about myself. Maybe you've noticed this about yourself, too. Back when I made less money than I do now, I actually gave a higher percentage of my income to my local church. That bothers me. It probably should bother me, <laughs> Right? The more money I have, for some reason, the less percentage-wise I give away. And here's something else that I've noticed. The more stuff that I've accumulated, the more possessions that I have, the more money that I have, the more I worry about that money. You know, how can I keep it and I've got to store it all somewhere? Oh, man, I need a bigger basement. <laughs> you know, just the more stuff that I have, the more that, that I worry about my stuff and my money. And the more money that I make, percentage-wise, the less I give away. And statistics show that the richest people in the world give the least percentage-wise than other people. Why is this? Because money will drive you, it will drive you towards greed unless you intentionally direct it towards godliness every time, every time. Listen what he says about the poor person. It's not just about being richer. Even poor people can become greedy. Poor people can become entitled, expecting handouts and charity, 
Poor people can tend to blame other people for their problems. It's my boss's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's this rich guy's fault. Darn you, capitalism, right? I'm stuck in this system or whatever. So, so, so whether you're rich or you're poor, you can become greedy. A lack of money or too much money can drive you towards greed. That's what he says. Proverbs 1, 19, look at this. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. Greed, it says, it takes away the life of its possessors. Greed takes away the life of its possessors. Here's what happens. If you have too little money, you think about money incessantly. How can I keep it? How can I get some more of it? How can I earn it? How can I save it? Because I can never hold on to it. It's always floating. If you have too little money, you are thinking about it incessantly, right? Oh, also, if you have too much money, you think about it incessantly. How can I spend it? How can I invest it? How can I make more of it? Money, money and greed has this way of it takes away your life. It can, it can suck the life right out of you. Greed has this ability to do that. And if you are greedy, there's always someone richer than you. Even if, you, even if you're fairly well-to-do, there's always someone richer than you that your greed will try to pull you. It has a gravitational pull to, to pull you in to, to envy someone who's doing better than you. Okay, so, so maybe you're someone in here and you're, you're really strapped for cash. Okay, you're barely making it, you're barely surviving, and you walk into a gas station and you see someone paying $2.50 for a bottle of water. And you think, man, there's a water fountain over there. I wonder if it tastes better. You know, it's just, I can't believe they're buying water. I bet they go home and spray it all over their yawn just because their grass is yellow, right? I mean, they're paying $2. Man, that would be awesome. And, and, and there's just envy that can set in. Or maybe you're the, maybe, maybe you're the person that, that can pay $2.50 for a bottle of water. But you look at someone else who pays 65 bucks for an oil change. 65 bucks for someone to pour oil in this little hole in my tank? My goodness. I wish I could do that, right? So, and so this envy, so a bottle of water, that's not a big deal. But, but 65 bucks for an oil change, you, you know, you couldn't do that. You'd love to, but you can't do that. Or maybe you are the, maybe you are the, the Jiffy Lou person, right? Or you go to the dealership, right? So maybe, maybe you're the $65 oil change person and you look over and, Man, that couple, they go on two vacations every summer. Two vacations. And they have Hershey Park passes. Oh, my goodness. I wish I could do that. And this, this envy begins to set it. Or, or maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you've just finished up your second vacation. Two vacations in one summer. There's like hardly anybody in the world that can do that, right? So two vacations in one summer. And you look over and, oh man, that couple, they have two houses. Two houses. Most people don't have one house. They have two houses. They don't even have to book a hotel when they go. They just, you know, but my point is there's always somebody out there. You're not rich. There's always somebody out there that is. And greed has this way. It can take your life away. It can obsess your thinking. You're always looking around at the Joneses or the Smiths or, you know, maybe you look at me. I don't know. The Shotses, man, look at them. Greed can take away the life of its possessors. No matter how much or how little you have, money can drive you towards greed. That's why the writer of Proverbs says this. Keep falsehoods. I, I, want, I want to maintain my godliness, my integrity. Keep falsehoods and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Money has this gravitational pull that pulls you towards greed. Too little money, and you may dishonor the Lord. Too much money, and you may disown the Lord. Thankfully, most of you aren't rich, right? <laughs> Thankfully, none of us in this room are rich. That's, that's the other guy. Thankfully, you're not rich. But just in case you ever, you might be rich someday. Just in case you ever are rich, I'll bet you want to be one of the good ones, don't you? You're not rich, but you want to be one of the good ones just in case you are rich someday. Well, here's the news. If you want to be godly and rich, 
The only way to do it is to practice being godly right now while you're in the middle. Otherwise, you'll never get there. You'll never get in that top left quadrant. Okay, so principle number one. Hopefully I've convinced you that money will drive you towards greed. Let's look at principle number two. Money can be directed towards godliness. Money can be directed towards godliness. It is hard to do. Fair warning. It's very hard to do. Jesus had this quote that he gave one time. Jesus has this sermon that he gave, and he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a sewing needle. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I just pause for a second. Jesus has an interesting sense of humor, right? I mean, I just picture that. I'm not sure what would come out the other end of a needle if you shoved a camel through it. This bloody, stringy, I don't know. I'm pretty sure the camel wouldn't walk again, right? He says, it's easier to shove a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to be godly with their money and to enter the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's that hard. In other words, once you become rich, if you're not godly with your money already, it, it's probably not going to happen. It's nearly impossible to do open heart surgery and remove the greed. There's always a trace left, right? It's nearly impossible once you are already rich. But it's, godliness is so much better than greediness. Here's, here's a few verses. I, I went through Proverbs and found actually at least 10 verses that say that godliness is better than. There's this phrase, better than, used over and over in Proverbs. Better than. Proverbs 15, 16. Better with a little with the fear of the Lord, than great wealth and turmoil. Proverbs 28, 6. Yeah, it's up there on the screen. Better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse. Godliness is way better than greediness. It's so much better, right? Greed is repressive. It makes you worry about money. It makes you hoard money. It makes you overwork for money. It makes you into a Scrooge or, you know, any number of the Christmas movies we've seen. Generosity is freeing, free from worry, free from stinginess, no strings attached, Greed is good at making business partners. Generosity is good at making friends. Greed is never satisfied. Generosity is grateful for everything. Even if you never did a single thing for me, how good is he? Right, that song we just sang. Godliness is way better than greediness. However, godliness is nearly impossible to obtain if you're already rich. But the good news is you're not rich yet. (laughs) You're not rich. But if you ever do become rich, you want to be one of the good ones, don't you? So here's the news for us today. The only way to become godly and rich is to practice being godly with your money before you become rich. Here's another text I want to show you. This is uh, Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, as I came across this, I I thought I would just take a minute and I, I just paused for a minute. I thought through, how would someone read that? that lived in Old Testament times. In other words, the times before Jesus came, they were under the Old Testament law. How would they read that? What what would it mean to the original person, the original people who read that proverb? How would they interpret that? What did it mean for them to honor the Lord with their wealth? Perhaps you've heard that in Old Testament times you were expected to to tithe or give 10% of your income. That's actually not totally true. There were three different tithes taken up every single year. 23.3% of your income was devoted to the Lord every single year. There was the first tithe was the Levitical tithe that paid for the priest, for the temple, those kind of things. The second tithe was the festival tithe that was used for worship. And then there was a third tithe that was one-third of a tithe. The word tithe means tenth. So it was one-third of a tenth of your income. And that went to support the poor. So in total, the money that you dedicate to the Lord every single year, your first fruits honoring the Lord is at least 23.3% of your income for the year. On top of that, if you're a wealthy person, if you own fields and things like that, 
There was all these laws in place that restricted you from becoming greedy. The the, the Lord had all these laws built into the Old Testament that tries to uh, eradicate poverty. It tries to eradicate greediness. It tries to eradicate slavery. There's there's, there's all all these laws in there in which God is trying to force his people into not being greedy with their money, right? So if you were wealthy, if you owned property, you were not allowed to glean the outside or the edges of your field. You had to leave that untouched for poor people to come up and take it for free. If you gave a loan to somebody, to a poor person, you were not allowed by law to charge interest to them, right? There's, there's, all, there's a slew of laws in the Old Testament. If you want to honor the Lord with your wealth, these are the kind of laws you had to follow. The most outrageous one was every seven years, there was a sabbatical year. Every seven days is the Sabbath. Every seven years is the sabbatical year. And in the sabbatical year, if, if you had a loan out and anybody owed you money, you forgave it. That's the law. You forgave it. If you were wealthy enough to own slaves, every seven years, you release the slaves. And you don't just release them and let them go free. Deuteronomy 15 says this, on the this, on this sabbatical year, you release your slaves, furnish them liberally out of your flock and of your threshing floor and out of your wine press. Don't let them go empty-handed. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. On top of that, every time you sinned, you had to go out to the pasture and get a cow or something that you could sacrifice. I mean, it was expensive to sin back then, right? So if if you were reading this for the first time, honoring the Lord with your wealth was very expensive. So what does it mean for us? I'm not going to tell you that the Bible says you got to tithe 23.3% of your income, right? So we're we're not under the old covenant law. Jesus has has died and and risen from the dead and given us a new covenant in which the principle applies but we don't follow the law completely in the same way as they did in the Old Testament. So what does it mean for you? What does it mean for us? If we want to be one of those godly rich people someday and practice it now, what what does it mean for us? I have a challenge for you. Here's what I want you to do as you think about this verse. In just a second here, I'm going to give you 60 seconds, all right? 60 seconds of silence. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out a piece of paper and a pen. Okay, there's some pens in the pews. If you don't, uh, you can, I I did this in the last service, just get out your your notes uh, app. And you can type it up on your phone. And I want you to take 60 seconds. And in order to stretch you into becoming more godly with your money, I want you to write down one giving goal. A giving goal. Now, you probably have savings goals, right? You, you want to save up for this. You want to save up for your kid's college account. or you, you have saving goals. You probably have spending goals. You want to pay off the car. You want to pay off the credit card bill. You want to, you want to buy the new iPhone someday. You, 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 have, you have saving goals. You have spending goals. I want you to come up with one giving goal. This is my, cha- this is my one challenge for you today to, 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 to help you practice becoming godly with your money just in case you ever find yourself in a rich position, just in case. I want you to come up with one giving goal. And as you think about that, there's, there's several things that you could do. First off, maybe, maybe you've been coming to our church for, for, for a couple months now or maybe for a couple years, but you don't financially support the church. If you believe in the mission here, I want to challenge you to think about how much of your money will you use to support the mission of Hershey Free Church? Again, I'm not going to tell you 23.3% or 10% or anything like that, but the Bible does tell us in 1 Corinthians 16 that it's good, a good best practice is to set aside a certain percentage of your income. Therefore, if your income goes up, the percentage goes up, and you are supporting God at a certain rate, supporting your church. Maybe that's your takeaway. Maybe you want to donate regularly to a food bank, to a nonprofit in town. Uh, I talked to one guy after the service in the last service, and he came up and said, hey, I appreciated what you said. So I said, hey, what was your giving goal, if you don't mind me asking? I won't tell you his name, obviously. But he said that he had just uh, sold a couple of rental properties, and he had this account, and he said, you know what, I'm not going to spend it. I'm going to leave it there, and any time I hear about someone with a need, I'm just going to pull from that. I got a pot of money that I'm just, it's, it's my giving fund now. I love it. 
Maybe you want to just open up a, a, an account at your bank and put 10 bucks a month in, 50 bucks a month in, whatever you can do, and you got this pot of money that you can give to something whenever you hear about a need. I, I don't know what your giving goal is, but I want you to take 60 seconds and maybe it'll help you become the kind of person that might make it into that top left quadrant. So I'm going to start a timer on my phone and take 60 seconds and write down a giving goal. I know 60 seconds is a quick time to think of one thing that, man, I'm going to commit to this. But maybe you at least walked away. You had three ideas. So hopefully you folks at home did it too. You came up with like three ideas that you just want to pray about. What, what do I think the Lord is calling me to do in honoring him with my wealth? What's the next step in me becoming a more godly person with my money? Hopefully you took that challenge. Now, <clears throat> sorry, there's one more verse that I want to show with you. One more proverb and then we'll wrap up here. Proverbs 11, verse 4. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. But righteousness delivers from evil. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. So folks, if, if this book is true, then one day each of us will die and we will stand before God. And there will be two options that are given before us. If we have taken our time in this life to, to believe in the gospel and to put our trust into Jesus Christ and, and we have asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins and we have chosen to follow him, if we've made that commitment, our sins are forgiven and we will be allowed to spend eternity with God in heaven. On the other hand, anyone who has not made that decision, their, their sins are not paid for and the Bible says that they will be separated from God for all of eternity. But that decision must happen here. And according to this verse, riches do not profit in the day of wrath. Now, in, in today's world, Money can get you out of all kinds of problems, right? You can hire the good lawyer. You can get the PI, private investigator. You, you can board a plane and, you know, escape from your problems. I mean, money, can, money can, can get you out of a lot of things. However, when that day comes, it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. The only thing will matter is whether or not you have decided to follow Jesus or not. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you're in here, if you're online and you would say, you know, I'm I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what will happen when I die. Uh, I would encourage you. I would urge you. Um, right now, I'm going to call up our prayer team. If you're on the prayer team, you can go ahead and come forward and make your position up here. I would encourage you to come and speak with someone on our prayer team. You don't have to ask questions. They can just pray with you if you want to. So pray with Nick or Deb, one of these people on our prayer team. Um, also, if, maybe that's not you, but you, you did write down a giving goal, and you just want someone to pray that you'll, that you'll have the commitment to follow that through. Maybe you just want someone to pray with you. Our prayer team is here, and we, we love to have a culture of prayer at our church, so I encourage you to do that. But one more time, here's the two principles that we learned today. Money will drive you towards greed unless you direct it towards godliness. And the only way to become rich and godly is to practice before you ever become rich. Hershey Free, you are not being dismissed, but you are being sent. And I want to send you to confront the greed that has taken root in your heart. I want, you are being sent to direct your money towards godliness. You are being sent to practice God, honoring God with your wealth. Just in case you ever do become rich, you might be one of the good ones. You are not dismissed. You are sent. Thank you.